From Mamma Mia, I'm Gemma Bath, filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. In June, a documentary called Athlete A was released on Netflix. It followed the investigation and subsequent conviction of Larry Nasser, the USA gymnastics team doctor accused of sexually abusing 500 young girls and women. USA Gymnastics, negotiating with Larry, agreed to lie to people, and that shows a cover-up. Dealing with an organisation that didn't give a rat's ass about children. We were going full bore. NASA was in their target. Our target was USA Gymnastics. You are the president of USA Gymnastics. If you receive a complaint of sexual misconduct, do you turn it over to local authorities? No. NASA's crimes have been making headlines since 2016. But it was the documentary, which also focused on the toxic culture in the sport in general, that encouraged Australia's gymnastics community to descend on social media with allegations of their own. Today, Commonwealth Games champion Alexandra Eid and Olympian Olivia Vivian are going to be telling us their stories, lifting the lid on the sport down under. Just a warning that today's episode of The Quickie contains descriptions of abuse and issues related to eating disorders. If this is a trigger for you, maybe wait till tomorrow's ep to tune in. In 1995, an inquiry was launched into allegations of abuse in gymnastics at the Australian Institute of Sport. It was reported that a coach had hit a 10-year-old and that two other kids of a similar age had been called fat and lazy. The inquiry concluded that there wasn't any systemic or widespread abuse to worry about here in Australia. Fast forward to 2018, and another inquiry again ruled the same thing. But that's not the experience of the athletes themselves. Last month, more than 20 mostly retired Australian gymnasts went public with an avalanche of horror stories detailing physical and emotional abuse and a disturbingly toxic culture of body shaming and neglect. Gymnastics Australia CEO Kitty Chiller responded immediately. We will not be complacent. We will remain committed to listening and to acting. Speaking up is difficult, but it is so important because without this knowledge, your knowledge, we cannot make change together and as one. But for many of these children, now women, the damage is already done. Alex Eid won a gold medal for Australia at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Watching athlete A left her feeling completely deflated. It made her reflect on the fact that her career had also been filled with negative, upsetting and traumatising experiences. Honestly, I did get quite upset. It made me realise that the treatment that I did suffer wasn't normal and that it actually was (laughs) classified as abuse. It's just such a scary name to put on the kind of treatment that you receive as such a young child. And you just never even realised. And I think that that's the issue that we saw in Athlete A, that because that kind of culture is normalised, no one ever speaks up about it and it can never change. Can you talk me through some of the experiences that you've had in the Australian gymnastics scene? The first experience that I really remember that has stuck in my mind was when I was 12 years old, it was my first time travelling overseas on the Australian team and obviously, you know, not with my mum. It's a very daunting experience as it is and when I was in training, I had fallen off the bars and my coach yelled at me and said that it was because my bum was too heavy and 
there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go home and cry to your mom. You just have to suck it up and get on with your training. And that's really difficult for a 12-year-old girl to go through. And then it just kind of continues throughout your whole career. You get those names and the body shaming just throughout. In 2018, you know, I was 20 years old, so I was well and truly an adult. And I don't think I've ever been more poorly treated than on that trip. We were trained beyond exhaustion. We were training more than 16 days in a row, which isn't okay for any professional athlete. And they weren't just some days were lighter, some days were heavier. They were all really heavy training days. And because of the load, I actually suffered this injury to my Achilles about two days before the competition. And I felt that I had no choice to compete. Even as an adult, I felt so helpless and that I just had to suffer in silence. And I competed on that injury. And after I competed, my coach said that I was a liar and that I only faked that injury to get out of some training sessions before the competition. And what made that worse was that the support staff agreed with him. It was just a horrible trip. We were all told that we had to lose two kilos before the competition, which was about just over a week away, which isn't healthy to lose that kind of weight in such a short time frame. And we were constantly just told off and told that we would never be good enough and that we were going to embarrass our country at this competition and at meal times, we were forced to eat off dessert plates. And those are significantly smaller than normal plates. And it was a way to portion our meals. But because the coaches are there when you're eating, they're always, you know, looking over to the table to see what food's on your plate. So you just feel like you might as well not put anything on there. So we were basically being starved. And that's not right when you're meant to be at peak performance when you're traveling to these major competitions. And when you're malnourished, obviously you're not going to be competing at your peak performance. No. It was just such a horrible experience. And the coach would call me stupid. And that was really hurtful to me because when you start having a go at my personality, it's not even about my gymnastics anymore. So calling me stupid is actually starting to get personal. And that's when it's really hurtful. And I don't think that I'm a stupid girl. You know, I'm studying biomedicine and hoping to be a doctor one day. So I definitely don't think I'm stupid. But when you get called it constantly, you just start to believe it. And it just gets really hurtful. That must have had such a big effect on your mental health. It sounds really bad, but I think I'm one of the athletes that have walked away better off than others. I retired about six months ago and basically as soon as I retired, I was straight back into study. I was actually doing uni throughout my gymnastics career. So I started university in 2017 and it's just taken me a little bit longer because of my training. But I am very thankful that I did study because now that I have retired from gymnastics, I have something else to put my focus on so that I'm able to move on from gymnastics and not feel like it's holding me back. I am still a very negative person and I really struggle with believing in myself. And I think that that's something that I did bring from my gymnastics career. I struggle to see the positives and 
when you're an athlete and even when you're, you know, out in the workforce or when you're studying, your mindset is everything. And when you're approaching an exam or a big work meeting or a competition, if you're walking in with the mindset of, I'm never going to make it, I'm never going to be good enough, I'm going to fall off the beam, I'm going to do this and I'm just terrible, then obviously you're not going to be able to perform as well as what you would hope. And that's something that I did struggle with throughout my gymnastics career. I didn't ever believe in myself. And that's something that unfortunately I have taken with me into my schooling and my professional career. Olivia Vivian started doing gymnastics at the age of eight. She went on to compete at the 2008 Olympics and won silver for Australia at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. In a now viral Instagram post, Vivian wrote that since the release of Athlete A, she's been experiencing some relatable memories that had resurfaced after years of being buried deep down under emotional floorboards. Yeah, it was very enlightening to see and watch and understand that that flourished because of the fear culture. And that's what's triggered a lot of personal emotions and experiences for me. I feel like I have forgotten a lot of the really hard times and I think that's a result of it just being so normalised. I remember being yelled at all the time. When I try and reflect back, I remember like really just intense moments of pressure when you're asked to perform on a world stage and you're pretty much forced to grow up quite fast. So it's difficult looking back and knowing that I don't see a lot of the moments as abuse because it was normal. You wrote in your Instagram post that crying wasn't acceptable. You were a kid. No, absolutely. And you learn that very, very quickly. And it was one of those gyms or an elite training centre and your parents can watch the first 15 minutes of training and the last 15 minutes of training. And in our particular gym, it was upstairs. They would sit in the cafe and there was a soundproof glass. And as little girls, you don't really think much of it. I'm not sure how the parents would feel about it, but they're told, you know, if you're up there watching, it's a distraction for the gymnast. Yeah, it was just one of those environments where your parents aren't monitoring everything that's going around. And I learned very quickly that if I did tell my mom something and she piped up, it only meant that I was punished for it in the gym the next day. So in a way, you're silenced. Has it affected your relationships, you know, with your body, with your family, you know, as you've grown up? Yeah, absolutely. I felt like in the time pushing through injury was normal. And when it comes from the top, what it felt like was Gymnastics Australia only cared about what you could do for the country at that time, no matter what the cost was down the line. So for my body, you know, I've had all sorts of injuries and a lot of them were because of overtraining and you know when it's painful at the beginning but you keep pushing through it because you're told to and it just becomes worse. You start stepping on eggshells about what you could say and what you should say to your parents so ultimately I just stopped telling them things. You know looking back I'm sure it really affected our relationship. I know my mum and I went through some really difficult times in my teenage years and You can't ever get those years back. I know most recently you've been on Ninja Warrior, the show on Channel Mm. 9. A community like that, does that show you the comparison of of what an environment um, can be like? Oh, this sport is unlike 
anything <laughs> I have ever experienced. And the community, you are competing against each other, but everyone supports one another. It's unreal. And I think because it is so difficult trying to do an obstacle for the first time and complete it on your first try because we don't get to try the obstacles on the show, I think everyone has this understanding of how hard it is and you can't really have an ego in this sport either because everyone falls. At some point, (laughs) you will fall. (laughs) It's unlike anything I've ever experienced and I'm so grateful for them because they lit a fire up in me and they've given me my passion back and reconnected me to that eight-year-old girl who stepped into the gym for the first time. As the documentary explored, one of the main problems with modern-day gymnastics is the aesthetic it demands. After the success of 14-year-old Romanian teenager Nadia Comaneci at the 1976 Olympics, the desire for younger, tinier and childlike athletes became well embedded on a global scale. If you look back at teams from the 50s and the 60s, they look like grown women. They are grown women. But that started to change in the late 60s, but really solidified in 1976 when Nadia won the Olympics as a 14-year-old. And there was just this mad rush of little girls that wanted to do gymnastics. It's not just American and Australian gymnastics currently experiencing a crisis. There are also allegations coming out of the UK, Ireland and the Netherlands. The Australian group of accusers has since grown to 30 with the Australian Rights Commission last week confirming they're launching an investigation. Speaking up might not have worked in 95 or in 2018, but athletes are determined to make sure that won't happen again in 2020. It's about the four A's, which is the acknowledgement, apology, assurance and assistance moving forward. And I do believe we're moving in the right direction. It just takes a bit of time. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, you can browse our back catalogue at mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie.